Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I'm so happy today to, to be speaking with Beth Barani, who is a fellow writer and a fellow writing coach and teacher. So this is going to be an exciting conversation. She's a certified create, uh, sorry, sorry, a certified creativity coach, and she specializes in helping genre fiction writers experience clarity so they can write, revise, and proudly publish their novels to the delight of their readers. And her courses are packed with useful hands-on information that you can implement right away. But one of the things that I love is the fact that she's got a lot of experience also in marketing books. And today she's going to be sharing with us tools and techniques for marketing your marketing your book to a specific audience. So welcome to the show, Beth. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm really glad to be here. <laughs> so Beth, tell us a little bit about yourself, because I, I love to hear these kinds of stories, especially from fellow writers, creatives. You know, you obviously are well-versed in the publishing uh, space as well. Yeah, well, I uh, love story. And so I am uh, a fiction writer at heart. And I've also been a teacher for a very long time. So those two things kind of woke up in um, when I was 13, 14 years old. I knew I wanted to be a writer from a very young age. Uh, my great grandmother was a writer. So I had that to aspire to. But in terms of what I wanted to say, it took me a really long time to figure that out. And in the meantime, I started helping other writers or, or my fellow students, really. I started tutoring in college, tutoring at the writing center. I started, I taught English to, to uh, foreigners, both in the United States and abroad. And I just really loved also helping people. So about 25 years ago, I'm probably doing the math a little bit wrong, but um, I stumbled upon, upon creativity coaching. And the teacher, Eric Mizell, who's still in the industry, he, he was sort of an offhanded uh, remark like, oh, um, here is my presentation. And by the way, I have a training. And I immediately thought it was a great fit for me because I've never really fit inside the mainstream. I could have gotten a credential or become a professor, but I, all of that just was like, ah, no, <laughs> get me into the real world. Get me helping yeah. people as possible. So like getting a four week EFL certificate was my speed, you know, going through the creativity coaching training while I was getting my business up and running over 16 years ago was really my speed. And I realized, aha, I can help writers as a creativity coach. What does that mean? I don't know. I want to go in there and I want to find out. I want to find I want to find my way. I knew I could offer like a six week class. And that's how I started a six week class out of my home, generically, like how to write a book. It was very broad, 
fiction, nonfiction. And it took me about five years of swimming and helping both fiction and nonfiction writers to realize that my true love is fiction. And why don't I hone in on that? Life is short. Do what you love <laughs> and jump off the deep end, because how am I going to make that viable? Um, and then fast forward to now, I've been speaking overseas, teaching specifically about fiction writing and about creative writing because they were looking for someone exactly like me, a novelist. <laughs> and I was like, wow, validation from the universe. you know. Um, so I, I've really understood the power of super niching. And I'm really, really grateful that I've took that leap of faith and dove off the deep end and, and really dug into it. And I'm still digging into it. And even as I start to expand into helping creative entrepreneurs build up their businesses in their own unique way, that's what I'm really passionate about. I love it. I love it. You know, it's, it's funny sometimes how things go like the, the listeners here know my story where, you know, I loved to write as a child, but then at seven years old, I was told by a teacher, I should not write. I was not a good writer. And so I, I didn't write for 30 years. It's, I've only been writing for 10 years now. And, you know, I loved how you talked about um, niching down because, you know, for me, it was a process. At first, I just started writing books because I, you know, I was in network marketing and I wanted to teach people how to be in network marketing, right? And and books were easy. Well, okay, the first book was not easy to write. But for me, that was a good format to get the information out because I was a reader. I loved reading books. I, I prefer that over everything. I Hand me a book. I don't want to watch a video. I don't want to listen to an audio. Yes, and I know that's funny because I produce the podcast, but I love interviewing people. Uh but I don't necessarily always listen to podcasts. I do from time to time, but my preferred media is writing. And once I started becoming a publisher, you know, at the beginning it was like, okay, I'll write anything. Well, except fiction, because I'd never written fiction, but you know, I'd write anything in a nonfiction genre and it, you know, within a couple of years, it was like, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm not writing everything and anything anymore. And so, you know, when you're a writer to find that niche, you know, even as an entrepreneur, you know, if you're writing books for your business or you're writing books just because you want to write books, niching down is just really going to make the process so much easier. It's very, very powerful. And I know it's not for everyone. So I don't say it's a one size fits all uh, remedy. Um, but I do notice um, that niching is very powerful. And some people excel at writing multiple different kinds of things. And that that's that, that in itself is an incredible skill. And I would say I have a pretty wide range as a, as a novel. I mean, as even as a nonfiction writer as well. Um, and I veer towards I veer towards teaching, you know, yeah. whatever I'm doing there's going to be a teaching component. I'm going to ask you to take what I've just shared with you to go implement it because I've also really focused on action. That's where we really learn, not just, I mean, reading books. I'm an avid reader, have been since, you know, I could walk myself over to the library or, you know, probably in utero, my parents were reading to me and I love it. And I'm, I really see the value too in taking the information, making it your own and yep. implementing your own set of strengths and values and skills, et cetera. So, yeah, that's really great. Your journey. I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of uh, adults um, do tell young ones, you know, that they can't write or shouldn't write. I even received that information, but I was too stubborn to um, pay attention. 
<laughs> well, you know, you, you talked about reading from a really early age, like some of my, you know, younger memories is, you know, my dad would be lying on the couch and I'd be cuddled up in him and he'd have his book and I'd have my book and we'd both just be cuddled up on the couch reading. And, you know, I always read books that were way above my reading level. You know, so I'd be stopping him every couple of minutes. Dad, what does this word mean? He'd, you know, he'd get that exasperated. I'm trying to read my book. Okay, well, tell me what this word means and you can go back to reading your book, right? Oh, what a <laughs> and he's like, he's like, would you stop reading books so far? But dad, those are the good books. The books my age, huh? they're boring. <laughs> That's a great story, Kim. Oh my God. Picture this. There's four kids in my family. I'm the oldest, you know, two kids in one room. The other two kids in another room makes an L shape. My dad is in the little hallway reading a book and every night it's a different story and we're fascinated. And then we fall asleep and I'm like, dad, is this the same story as last night? And he's yes, this is a thousand and one nights. He would just read it to us every night. Of course, it's like a new story every every night inside the story. And it, that was one of my childhood memories. And I just loved it. It was so comforting. My dad had such a great reading voice and mm. so lovely being read to. Yeah, my dad did too. Like he like, I mean, I read so early that he stopped reading to me because I was reading my own books. But my dad had one of those voices, too, just so, so soothing. And and when he did read, it was just like it was like velvet, you know, like that the voice you could just listen to forever. So, yeah. Yeah. And even um, today, my husband reads aloud to us almost every night and it, he loves it. It's his preferred way to take in a story. And I it's just comforting. It's a great way to fall asleep as well. Mm hmm. Yeah. So parents out there, read to your kids. Read. I even heard stories recently. Oh, uh, Project Weird Project. Oh, sorry. I, I'm forgetting the rest of the title. Oh, Hail Mary by Andy Weir. I started reading it and I posted on social media about it. And then this woman jumped on the comments saying how her whole family reads that book together. And then nice. they all into the audiobook of it. So read as a family. It's so rich and you know and it's so ancient. We've been doing it for millennia and it's it's also a wonderful way to bring bring up the next generation. Well you know when my kids were little they they loved Dr. Zeus. So one of their favorite ones was um Hop on Pop. So there's this one there's two pages in there and the kids would wait for these two pages. Because the the one page would go, um, would talk about hopping up pop. And then the next page was, no, stop, don't hop on pop, right? And so the kids were waiting for that page. They knew exactly where it was in the book. And they're and, and I get to that point and then I'd have to stop because they'd go, no, stop, don't. And they even now, like my son's 30 and my daughter's 28. They remember that. All I do is say hop up, pop. And they're like, no, stop, don't hop on, pop. It's <laughs> so wonderful. I love it. I love and it. now we're teaching that to our grandson. No, stop, don't hop on, pop. That's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I know you've come today um, with some training for us on tools and techniques for marketing your books. And I know, you know, you you really uh, have an amazing focus on fiction, but I know that you can also use these to apply to our audience of, of 
entrepreneurs who have their nonfiction books as well. So I'm going to let you loose for a bit to share what you've got prepared today. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'm going to start with the basics. Once you have a book, and even actually while the book is in production, you need to start thinking about marketing, obviously. So one of the simplest things to do is create a press kit. Uh, and it can be a digital press kit. So for example, um, I have a book here, plan your novel like a pro and have fun doing it. So it's our teaching book um, on uh, plan your novel. And so we have a press kit for this. It obviously, this is co-written. So it has the two author bios, me and my husband. It has uh, links to an excerpt. It has sample questions. It has who the audience is, you know, the, basically the book description, who it's for, what you get out of it. And you, so with that, we've been able to go to, um, finding podcasters, for example, and also, um, blogs, you know, who else serves the same audience? So that's how you want to build up your media list. Who else is going to serve your same audience, building up that, um, list, a simple spreadsheet, and then you want to go through and make sure everybody is still publishing. <laughs> and so you want to vet your list, call your list. Uh, and then, um, also as part of your press kit, this is more of an in-house press kit. You're going to want to have your sample letter that you're going to send out to everyone. You're going to customize it for each person. And then you want to have, what I really recommend too is to bring some sanity to your life, do a launch campaign or just a marketing campaign. It doesn't have to be right when the book launches, especially if you're self-publishing, you could be completely exhausted once you, <laughs> yeah. So I'm often um, doing a marketing campaign for the book a little bit after I usually create like sort of a celebratory, Oh, the print edition is out because it's often easier to get the ebook edition out before the print. Maybe about three months later is when I've traditionally done it. I've noticed when I have the energy. <laughs> so I'll do a marketing campaign once the print edition drops. And then I usually do about a four week or two month or even three month campaign. So since we're busy entrepreneurs, build your marketing uh, to be sustainable. Try and get do one appearance per week. And um, at first I was doing all of this. I would write targeted emails. I was doing every single step. And now, now I have a small team that helps me. Um, and those of you in business, if you already have somebody helping you with marketing, I would recommend training them to help you um, market your books. Um, and then um, as a lot of people have said, you know, getting in front of other people's audiences, that's what we're doing, right? We're leveraging other people's yeah. audiences podcasts and guest guest blogs and, and maybe summits or other kinds of speaking opportunities. Facebook lives, social media lives, right? Right. Uh, on YouTube, Instagram, uh, TikTok. You know, I don't leverage all these opportunities. That's the other thing. You don't have to be everywhere all at once. No. Pick happy spots. If you love TikTok, network over there, find the people who can talk about you over there. If you love uh, Facebook lives, just focus on that. It's actually more powerful, again, kind of back to the super niche idea. It's more powerful to show up in one or two places powerfully than try and be everywhere. Don't worry because people are going to talk about you. They'll pass it to their friends. They'll, you know, this material can be repurposed after all, all the podcasts. I put it up on my blog, then I'm going to be putting them on YouTube. So you can always repurpose the appearance once you've done it. Um, and then to, to bring some sanity, you know, you don't have to run a marketing campaign all year round. You can just run it for a few months and then go, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to put my attention on something else. So those are some basic marketing tools that I would recommend. I also want to back it up a little bit. When you work on your press kit, come up with a very short pitch for your book, a, you know, 
see if you can get it down to 10 words and then write a 25 word one and like a hundred word one. And then of course you're going to have your long one. So learning how to say very quickly, you know, I help people plan their novel and have fun doing it. Well, it's in the title, you know, that's the message. Or if someone wants, well, tell me a little bit more about your book, Beth. And I'm like, well, this is a laid out in 30 days, helps you walk you through um, the, the overarching idea of your book, uh, character development, world building, and then plot down to the scene by scene level so that when you're done with this book, you will have an outline so you can write with confidence. That was probably about 50 words, I'm guessing. I'm, I've taught this material a bazillion times. So learn how to talk about and write about your your work in those kind of little nutshell ideas. And of course, you can wax poetic quite long uh, as well. So those are some of my marketing tips. I, I hope that's helpful for your audience. Uh, I, I used to train people on how to run blog tours for their books. And so it's basically people aren't doing blog tours as heavily anymore, but these are all the basic concepts. Um, of how to run a blog tour or a book campaign. Um, and, you know, and I'm also open to anybody who has questions because I love, especially creative entrepreneurs who are trying to find like, how do I make this work for me? Oh, I don't like this. And I don't like that. And I'm like, okay, what do you like? And entrepreneurs are used to marketing themselves. So it's usually pretty easy to get to the place of like, oh, well, gosh, I love going to my local farmer's market. I'm like, great. Who can you partner it with that would allow you to sit there with them and, and, and chat up your book to everybody who comes by to buy peaches, you know, like make it your own. And that's actually the fun part. I'm very much around what's fun. So what is fun for you? Hone in on that, dig deeper and, and um, bring some people along with you to help you because also this is a group effort. <laughs> so get your team or get a, some support around this, bring a, a friend, even if you don't have someone with you to, to help you, especially at the beginning, it can be a bit scary if you've never uh, marketed your book before. Oh, and headshot, you know, headshot and uh, good cover and, yeah, and get a nice professional one, pay the money to have that good headshot. Right. Like, and it's not going to cost you a fortune, but that, that is an investment that, yes, you know, that pays off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved what you talked about there. And, and, you know, one thing I was thinking of was, um, you know, to really gain momentum around your book, you talked about three months, but I, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and they found if they could do it for about a year, the amount of momentum that they gained just really pushed the book forward and they got a lot of clientele from it. But in your experience, you know, about, and I mean, it's going to be a bit different for everyone, but about how many pitches do you have to put out to really, to get that podcast interview? Because I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, I've put out five, nobody's responded back. Well, I guess I'm not a, right. Yeah. I generally think about 30, start with 30. Make a strong list of 30, pitch all those 30. You're probably going to get, uh, I'm guessing about 10 to 25%. But if you're really ambitious, build a list of a hundred. And, and from there, maybe you'll get about 20 to 30. I used to do this for writers and we would have a list of a hundred. It was for novelists and we would get about 30 appearances. And it kind of works out that way because you've just, you know, who knows what else is happening on their end. But so build it up to 30, I mean, a hundred as a starting point to, to get to 30. So it's about a 30% ratio. Um, yeah, that's been my experience. And then 
something interesting happens, people will come to you. I've actually, I just started having my marketing manager pitch me about two months ago. And then people are out of the blue writing me. Oh, can you be on my, I, I, I don't know how did that guy know that I was ready to do a podcast, <laughs> you know? And then a friend of mine, she's like, yes, I wanted you on my podcast, but Hey, I'm doing a summit. You want to come on my summit? You know? So like opportunities, as soon as you start opening your door kind of energetically to the world, the world somehow picks on up on that and people are coming to you. So pay attention to what do they call it? Synchronicity, you know, and, and notice how, if you are open, you're, you're, you've, you've opened that door and um, unexpected things might happen. Unexpected good things. The other thing I loved you talked about is actually getting out into your local community. I have done so many vendor shows over the years, not necessarily for books, but just in, in the different businesses that I've, I've had. And it is a powerful tool for building your business, especially when people start to see you at events all the time. You know, people came to know what I sold. And even though maybe they didn't buy at the time, you know, I, I don't know how many times I was standing in the grocery store and somebody would come to, to me, did I see you at that vendor sold and, and weren't you selling, you know, weren't you selling that, that skincare stuff? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Like, do, do you happen to have a catalog on you? Uh-huh. <laughs> Right. And so I'd have the catalog and I, you know, I'd make sure I got their information. I followed up half the time though, when people asked me for a catalog, they were already ready to buy, you know, and they, I've had people, I used to have people have me orders in the grocery store line. Wow. That's me how fast I can get it to them. Right. So, you know, getting out in your local community on a consistent basis, you start to get known as the author of, right. Mm -hmm. Or the writer of, and when you have some people in your community write the book and then they see you at the next vendor event and let's say they're with their best friend mm -hmm. and they read and they loved your book, they're going to tell that friend, oh, you need to go over there and get the book right now, right? Because they kind of forget about it. They read it. It's, it's, you know, it was good. It was gone. But then they see you again. Yeah. And, and they're telling people, listen, you got to go over there and you got to buy that book, right? Mm -hmm. But that only happens with the consistency. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's not, not every weekend, but you know, if you're, if you're doing about 10 to 15 shows a year, you know, people start to get to know you. Absolutely. And that's really awesome. I haven't done any of that obviously in the last few years, but I used to do local writers events in the San Francisco Bay area where I'm located. And, uh, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, they, they would remember me from, Oh, didn't you do that event over there? And, Oh, I came over here. Oh, I saw you at that other one. And, you know, and it, it becomes, you know, Oh, Beth's a speaker. She can come and, you know, and they knew she, they could call me in. Of course, we haven't had any in-person writing events. Uh, in oh, a while. I am so looking forward to things changing in 2022. That's for sure. I do. Yeah. So Beth here, I know you, you, you're a publisher, you publish lots of books, you're a coach and all this, but this is a question I asked to every author on the show. So I'm really interested to hear your answer to this, but what is the good, the bad and the ugly about publishing a book? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Well, uh, I'm going to start with the good just because that's what just popped up. And because I just published a novel, my, my 13th novel, the joy, um, of, of 
having a book out in the world and having other people say, you know, congratulations and, oh, I really liked it and good reviews. It's it's like it's like a an explosive nova in your heart. It's like, oh, my God, I did it. All that hard work paid off. <laughs> and it and it, it's so powerful. It just feels so, so good. Um, <clears throat> and and even people watching people open up one of my nonfiction books and my go, oh, you said this on this page. Oh, that was so helpful. You know, <laughs> hearing that it's just so, so validating. And, and the fact that people can hold my books in their hands and and you and it's so heartwarming. It's like, ah, oh, this is this is exactly why I do this work. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I would say that the bad is there's always a point in the middle of the of the process, whether it's the middle of the writing process or the editing process. Uh, those are the two bugaboos, you know, where I have all these doubts. I mean, totally. And it happens every book. I have friends who are like, Beth, you said that last time. So now. <laughs> I've actually written about over 20 books and, and I, to hear my friends tell me and remind me, you hit this dark moment every single time. I'm like, okay, I think I got it now. <laughs> I'm going to have a dark moment in the middle of the book, whether it's the first draft, whether it's the editing process, it's going to happen actually usually happens in both of those places. So I would say that's kind of, um, the bad. Um, and then the ugly is kind of, sometimes it can, you, especially when you're creating something new, and I'm always trying to create something new, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, there is a feeling of being completely lost. No, so not only might it be hard, but there's a sense of like, I am lost in the wilderness and I do not know what I'm doing, why I'm doing this. And it's just this, it's there, a- There is no light on this path. <laughs> there's no light. And it's so, it's an internal experience. It's very intense. And again, I can kind of, I can reflect back how I've had this repeatedly and um, and to really, yeah. And so I have remedies for that, but I do notice it. I happen. It, it happens to me. And I've noticed other people give up at that place. And I just want to tell everyone, don't give up, keep going, get support, you know, work with a, a, a guide, have your buddies around you. Like you will get through it. And uh, it's, um, it's part of the creative process. Yeah. I, I find with my clients, usually somewhere between chapter four and chapter six, somewhere in there, the process just like slows to a halt. And I'm like, okay, they're there. They they've hit that point, right? And it's almost like it's almost like the re, the reality of the book has hit them. Yes, yes. And and they're like, okay, the this thing is real, and and people are going to read this, and and you know, and you're kind of like, okay. So I usually give them a week or so, you know, and then it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's get through this. Come on, let's start. A, but but no, no. Just let's keep going because you'll be fine. <laughs> I usually go on a really long walk up a steep hill, talk to my best friends, talk to my husband, do some soul searching. And usually that's it's also a very rich period, that darkness, because then it really requires that you dig deep into your soul and really connect. Why am I doing this project? What is important about it? Who is waiting for it? This is when I start to key into the readers. I'm like, there are readers waiting for this. People want to know this. This is for them. I mean, this is for me, but this is also for them. And that actually helps me because what's partly very, it's very lonely creating. Yeah. So knowing there are other people on the other side who are waiting for this, whether it's a novel or whether it's a new nonfiction piece, like people need to hear your wisdom. People need to hear your, what you've learned from the School of Hard Knocks. People need to hear this through you because you're unique. 
And, and even if 10 other people said the same thing, but they haven't said it your way, they don't come from your, they haven't gone through your particular hardships in your particular way. And when I realize that, and I feel that I'm like, right, I'm a unique vessel and it's my job to put this out there. That's my job. That's what I've decided is my job. <laughs> the, the other point I find that's just really kind of goes nuts is, you know, when you're in that last part of the publishing and launching phase, and it's almost like you've gone into labor for the first time and you're just kind of, <laughs> oh my god that song is so perfect oh. yeah i have to say that um the final bit like that hitting publish used to be the most terrifying thing mm-hmm. the most especially on my very first book uh I, I don't have the same experience now maybe because i i do multiple phases of quote final <laughs> well it's kind of like when you have your second third fourth fifth child it's kind of like uh yeah Okay. I don't have, yeah, I've dealt with this one before, right? Like I, I know what's going on, but your first one, you're just like, I'm like, I'm freaking out. I don't know what I can have. And, you know, it, it, as a publisher, you know, the first few times it happened, I really wasn't prepared for it, but now it's kind of like, okay. And, you know, that's where you, you're kind of that, you come in at kind of like that nerves with that calm, soothing voice. And it's like, okay, this is part of the process. This is how it works. You know, I'm here for you. You know, everything's going to be okay. It's not going to be long now. The baby's going to be born. Take a deep breath. Don't pass out. <laughs> yeah. I, I ran a Kickstarter for the very first time for my latest novel. And I was so freaked out when I hit that start button because you have to manually start a Kickstarter. You can't uh, set it in automatic. And when I hit that uh, manual button, start the Kickstarter, start the clock. I was so freaked out. It's like my whole body was like buzzing. You know, it was so intense. Woo. <laughs> So even a launch, like if you've never launched a book, that can be tremendously uh, nerve wracking and make you feel like you're coming out of your body, you know. And, and there's always things that go wrong in that process. Always. Like, you know, that last stage of, you know, the final stuff of, you know, proofreading, formatting, you know, getting all the covers completed and, you know, all the bits and pieces of information and all the back and forth, you know, there's always things that go wrong. And I just, I tell my clients that, listen, little mistakes are going to happen. It's okay. Cause a little mistake would happen. And, and, you know, it's like, it was like, there's one word wrong in the book and oh my God, like everything's going to like fall apart. And, you know, and I understand it because yeah. this is their baby, right. And they want their baby to be perfect, but that's where you kind of come in. It's like, okay. Take that deep breath. So, so Beth, if people have been listening to this and they want to connect with you, how can they get a hold of you? And do you have any freebies for us today? Yes, I have a freebie. So and you can find me on, on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Although my favorite is Twitter at Beth Barani. And there I am at any of these places and also a website bethbarani.com. That's a good place to begin. And then my freebie for all of you, say you want to be writing, but you're kind of stuck. And you also are like, where do I get ideas? So I have this wonderful little booklet for everyone called 10 ways to generate ideas. Uh, And I have, and the link will be in the show notes. Um, So 
this is a wonderful little PDF workbook. You and it's also in uh, EPUB and Mobi, so you can download it into your e-reader of choice. And it's very simple. It's Ten different ways, fun different things you can try to get writing. And I even um, guide you through my favorite way to get writing, which is to pick an idea and to do timed writing. Uh, even if it's five minutes, my preferred is 20 minutes, pushes you a little bit. And you'd be so, you'll be surprised what you can produce in, in a 20 minute timed writing session with, with one of these prompts. And um, it's, it's something I use even to this day, every day I do timed writing on my idea. And uh, it, that's how I'm able to produce so much. I'm at the point where I always have so many ideas. It's trying to get the time to get them all written down. So I've been starting to take notes on things that I want to write about and make a priority list. Because, I mean, you can, you can throw just about any topic at me and I'll either write about it or if I have no clue, I'll just make up something as I go along. Like, hey, let's have some fun, right? Yeah, that's so okay. great. Thank you so much, Beth, for joining us. And just before we go, I just want to encourage you, if you've enjoyed this episode today, please share it out. Uh, I work really hard to bring in great experts for you to give you tools and things that you need to help you build your business. So if you've enjoyed it, share it out. Go to your favorite podcast app share button. I love the share button. If you've ever shared on YouTube, you can share a podcast too. So this has been Beth Barani and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach, or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.